It's a live lunch Thursday, and we are in Israel at the Carmel Winery in Zichron Yaakov. My name is Nachum Siegel. Get ready for a couple of hours of delicious wine and incredible messages of incredible happenings here in the Holy Land on a live lunch at the Nachum Siegel Network. My lips to sing your praise, my heart to feel the joy. Let me have the gift for which I'm yearning. Another night in Israel. Desert flowers blooming in the spring, the grapes upon the vine. Let me walk the beaches in the moonlight Let me fall in love in Israel Wherever you go I will go Having to follow my heart That will carry me home Wherever you live I will live If just you breathe in the air You'll find me in Israel the day of plowshares from our souls, a time to mend, a time to gather stones, a time for peace in Israel. Let me hear the voice of bride and groom, of laughter in the streets. the prayers of our children so they need not fear in Israel wherever you go
Well, there's nothing like an Achim Siegel Network uh, a winery show from Israel. We've had experience at this, and they've always been incredible. And what, it's too loud? Oh, am I? This is an incredible wine room. What do you want? That's what happens sometimes. The flavors, and, and they just bounce off the walls. Uh, anyway, we're at the Carmel Winery, and uh, we're in Israel. And one of the reasons, and um, frankly, uh, everyone knows my position in terms of uh, supporting Israel and making Israel part of everything that we do. That's obvious from these journeys that we take and encourage the audience to uh, follow closely and then take them themselves. Uh, it's no secret that uh, Rosh Hashanah is right around the corner, the beginning of the brand new year, and there'll be a lot of wine being purchased over the next month. And we are, again, as we do every single year before the holidays, encouraging people to buy Israeli wines. You don't realize how many of the great Israeli wines are available in the United States. We'll talk about that, especially in our home base area of New York and New Jersey. And today, today's not one of these run-of-the-mill standard Israeli winery trips. You know, Israel's now filled with wineries. Have you noticed that? Have you ever seen the map of Israel wineries? It's grown like crazy over the last few years. But uh, we are in the... Uh, in the historic winery, we are in the in the very first, so to speak, the one that uh, set the standard for everybody else, and that's the Carmel Winery here in Zichron Yaakov. And we're joined by great people who are going to be with us, as is tradition for us when we do one of these live lunches at a winery. We'll be tasting wine, recommending wine. Uh, I know we've seen it on Facebook over the last few months how listeners have taken our advice and they've gone ahead and incorporated certain wines into their uh, Shabbos and Yontif uh, routine. And they're appreciative that they've gotten the recommendations from us. Special shout-out to Jay Booksbaum. He's probably shocked that I'm leading a winery show at the moment. Uh, not as shocked that Miriam L. Wallach is involved. Knows a little something about wine. But as, uh, our, as my listeners know from over the last 30 years, each and every year I become more educated about kosher wine, and especially wines from Israel. And I start appreciating them more and more. And today I don't think is going to be an exception. Valerie Hecht is with us. She is the uh, manager of the Center for Wine Culture at the Carmel Winery. We are in Zichron Yaakov. Shalom, and thank you for having us here at Carmel. Hey, thank you for coming. A pleasure to be here. You just moments ago uh, led a, a short tour of this magnificent facility. Number one, uh, people around the world don't understand how much history, how much uh, incredible uh um, and how rich a history there is here at the Carmel Winery. We go back to what year when we talk about the first uh, the first winery being uh, established here in Israel? Well, we're not officially the first winery mm. established in Israel. Uh, it's a small winery called, uh, it was called Ifrat, now called Tepeberg. Oh, we're boy. the first, you could say this is the official winery that's revolutionized the wine industry and bought, brought back uh, wine to, to Eretz Kodesh. Yeah, note for the record, I am calling them the first winery in Israel. Let the people of the other place start yelling at me about it. We're the first, we're the first <laughs> official winery. We're right. the first official. And uh, we go back to what year? We go back to the first Aliyah, the first major immigration. The story began in 1882. Right. That's okay. Pr- that's a long time that's ago. That's a long time ago. Um, this was not a tough time. It wasn't exactly the land of milk and honey for the Jewish immigrants that came here. That's for sure. Okay. Um, so the first immigrants that came to this region actually came from Romania. And uh, there wasn't much in the way of infrastructure, let's say, or employment, a lot of malaria. The people were having a tough time. There they were. So they turned for assistance. 
they actually sent a repre- representatives from their community to speak to the Baron Edmund Benjamin Rothschild. See, he was recruited for this project. Well, you know, he was a, a known, he was a known philanthropist. Right. Uh, he had his own winery, of course, Chateau Lafitte. Right. And, uh, he was willing to speak to the people. He wanted to hear the story. He wanted to hear what was going on. And uh, agreed to send uh, some experts to see what could be done here. Right. And to establish a, a business, I guess, right? And yeah, to employ well, a lot of people in the area. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, uh, but remember, guys, this, this was a wine country thousands of years ago. But right. They officially, I say officially, had to stop making wine in about the 7th century right. because of Islam. How, Muslim how difficult was it to establish a winery here? I mean, you need, you know, you're talking about, you know, it's not like today, everything's temperature controlled, Absolutely. and I guess you can make wine anywhere you want. Incredible, incredible, as I say. Adam will give you more insight into that. But the money that was invested here, the the the... the the first grapes he actually sent from his winery, the first vines from Chateau Lafitte in France, still one of the most famous wineries in the world, owned by the Rothschild family. Unfortunately, at that time, they discovered there was a lot of viruses in the, in the grape vines in France. And uh, so things took, were a little bit of a setback. They brought healthy vines from Kashmir, of all places. Uh, he invested millions in the country. And uh, he saw a window of opportunity, basically. He was also a businessman. And right. he wanted to help the Jewish people very much. He wanted to, and he approached the Turks, basically, with this proposal of building two wineries. Uh, and this wine would basically be quality wine made in the Holy Land, and most of it to be exported for the Jewish people outside right. uh, Eretz HaKodesh. Right. It, 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 well, what I saw today, which was uh, in, in some way, I mean, some of the things that I saw were the, I guess you'd call it the old system or the old uh, you know, method of, mm-hmm. or part of the old method of, of making wine. All that stayed in motion until when? When was there a, you know, a, 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 a really strong change in the way winemaking occurred uh, here in Israel? Uh, reflected well, by what happened in It Carmel. was Rothschild that brought, he invested, as I say, you, uh, in Chateau Lafitte, I understand from Adam, that they uh, bought, the Rothschild family purchased uh, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild for about 4 million francs. Right. And here altogether they invested 11 million. You're talking about a lot of money. Right, but and this technology they brought from France, which was incredible at that time. This was huge. This was a huge, huge, one of the largest wineries in the world at that time. And uh, they brought their technology, which was very advanced for the time. And uh, pressing machines and the things that they had that uh, employed a lot of people, gave a lot of people employment here. And what I saw today lasts until when? When, when does this whole system change to a very modern one, to, to one that you know is completely different than what he was doing yeah. in the early 20th century? Well, today you could say the good wines are a combination of old world and new world methods together. But mm-hmm. I'd say the revolution happened in around the 1960s in the wine industry uh, when they had a way of making, improving wines in very hot countries like Israel by being able to control the temperature of the wine storage in stainless steel vats. Right. And uh, Israel realized that we can really, we have the soil, the climate. It was recognized, especially the Galil, the Golan, which is volcanic soil. We've got all the fabulous conditions here in this tiny country to grow so many different varieties of grapes that are high quality. So Israel in about the 1970s started planting, uh, bringing very highly qualified people and agricultural 
departments. Caramel decided to change its image dramatically. Although it's always been part of Israel's legacy, Carmel. It, yeah. it really has. It's, uh, everybody knows it and everybody drinks it in Shabbat or Tirosh. Yeah. But we wanted to also, apart from this wonderful image we have that everybody drinks Carmel, to have this boutique image also of making very, very high quality wines that could compete internationally. All right. Valerie Hecht is with us talking about the history of Carmel. So how does one as a, as a winemaker, as a winery, stay at the top? Because no matter what the reputation was, as you just alluded to, or the image might have been, and I don't think it's mm-hmm. nearly as negative as some people think. I think it's really a glorious image in no, many ways. Of course, yeah. uh, but nonetheless, to stay at the very top for all mm-hmm. these decades is a remarkable achievement. Uh, what was the secret? Was it, in fact, what you just said earlier, adjusting to the um, times and trying to incorporate, whether it be boutique wines or other types never, of wines? Yeah, never becoming complacent and always striving to be the best and striving to new varieties and highly qualified people and always keeping up there in the top. And, and that stays the same in 2015? Absolutely. Absolutely. Very, very much so. Who came up with That's the name Carmel for the winery? Was that him himself? We'll get to that. All right, Valerie, you're going to stick around, right? I'm here. I hope so. Because Especially we're be, for the wine tasting. We're going to be tasting some wines <laughs> and enjoying some of what Carmel has to offer. Uh, as, as we hand that over to – and maybe, maybe we'll switch places with Adam so he yeah, can join yeah, us here sure. now. And as we do that and make this switch, I want to remind everybody that we are in a mode now before the uh, high holidays to remind everybody that purchasing Israeli wine is a win-win, a complete win-win. You'll have something delicious on your holiday table, while at the same time, uh, you'll be helping the Israeli economy and really uh, purchasing. You, know, you always talk about buying Israeli products. You'll be buying one of the high-end Israeli products that uh, uh, obviously goes a long way in terms of supporting the people here in Israel. So we recommend you do so, and you'll hear some of our recommendations coming up. Adam Montefiore is here. Uh, we're going to be talking about help. He'll help us taste as well. A little later on, but first, first of all, welcome to the show and thank you for joining me. Hi, Nachum, and hi to Jay Bookspam. Yeah, of course, hi to Jay Bookspam. We're waving to him right now on the camera. How did Carmel get its name? Um, in 1896, when the Baron formed the winery, which was the first commercial winery in Israel, uh, they didn't have a name. The name they used was Rishon Lotzion or Zichron Yaakov. Uh, the um, grape growers from Rehovot came to the Baron. And said, we want to form an export company if you'll take our grapes. The Baron thought was, this was a great idea. And the name of the export company was Carmel. Why Carmel? Because the root in Hebrew of the word Carmel is Kerem El. And it had a good ring to it in English and Hebrew. This is, this is written in the books. We, we saw this. And they, they decided on Carmel Winery. And in fact, Carmel Winery, or Wines from Carmel, is probably the most famous and longest-serving Jewish brand in the world. Correct. I mean, it's that's older than Wisotsky, it's older than uh, Manischewitz and many others. That's so, why I was expressing how amazing it is that you stay at the top in an industry for that many years. It's just incredible. Well, think, think of it, that Carmel was formed uh, in the time of the Ottoman Empire, right. when it was Turkey, um, survived during the time of the British, mm-hmm. I, I'm a Brit, uh, and... Um, and, and continued in the time of Israel. Carmel's been alive and working uh, over three centuries. Um, and really, I think the wine industry in Israel survived because of Carmel. And you don't come here to taste wine. You taste here to, uh, liquid history. It's, a, it's the story of Israel. It's the story of Israeli wine. And 
within that is the story of Carmel. Yeah. And recently they've, uh, they've gone and, and we talk about boutique wines and specialty wines, etc. It has expanded tremendously. I mean, it is, uh, I, I know there's a, you know, there are a lot of wineries out there and there are a lot of people doing some very interesting things, but you guys have gone in every single direction and stayed, you know, near the top, if not at the top in every one of them. Nachum, 30 years ago, the main products in Israel were the kibbutz and the Jaffa orange. <laughs> Do you remember sending a crate of Jaffa oranges to your friends because you wanted to send a taste of Israel? That was the thing to do. Now the most famous things in Israel are, are um, wine and high-tech. Right. But you can't give high-tech as a present. <laughs> so wine remains the best ambassador. If you want to give someone a present of something Israeli that represents the, the land of Israel, Eretz Israel, Wine is the best thing, but it's not only a modern success story, it runs like a thread through the whole history of the Jewish people and, and uh, in this country, because one of the first products uh, from the time of Noah, the first products, which was a mainstay of the economy, was wine. Mm-hmm. So wine tells the story then as well as today. It's pretty amazing. And we'll be tasting some of those wines coming up. Adam Montefiore is here as we talk about the uh, history of the Carmel Winery, were there any uh, any major? Um, we talked about how the, the the modernization of the wine industry, 1960s. Valerie mentioned it earlier. Obviously, that was in the wine making. That was a very important time. What about this location? Uh, this location, it was revealed to me earlier, was an interesting location during the uh, War of Independence in 1948. Um, I, I would assume that means that it was under fire and that it was very difficult to be up here. Tell us a little bit about the history from that standpoint. Well, I have to say, if you next time you come to Israel when there's a war on, the safest place to be is at Carmel Winery <laughs> because in the basement, huh? <laughs> no Scud missile uh, or Katusha can can imp- uh, get into our cellars. And these deep underground cellars were built by Rothschild simply because it was far hotter during July and August than they thought. So the wine turned to vinegar. So we had no alternative but to build these deep underground cellars. And today they give us um, a real feeling of history. And within the uh, within the built these historic buildings has been born a technologically advanced winery um, with all the latest equipment. And this winery was refurbished totally as recently as 2011, in time for the 2011 harvest. So what you see is buildings that represent the history of Israeli wine and technology that wouldn't be out of place in Napa. So uh, the two together make it a very special tour. You see the old and the new, the modern and the historic. Uh, The place reeks of Rothschild. Did you know that three prime ministers of Israel worked at Carmel? Is that a fact? Are Please you, name them for me. Uh, do, you want, do you want to have a go and see if you can okay, name them? Okay, well. I've asked this question. I've been at the winery 12 years. Well. I've asked this question to everyone who's only come. Only because. And no one has ever got the right answer. Right, so even Jay Books. So give me a minute on this. Okay. Um, and there's not so many prime ministers in Israel, so it's not so right, difficult ju- to do Just based on his name, I'm going with this one, Levi Eshkol. Yep, that's yes. right. Okay, I'm that's so right. happy. I'm so happy. One okay. strike. Yeah. So that strike, that's a good one. Yeah. I got it. Okay. Yeah. So the question is, what other prime ministers of Israel worked at the Carmel Winery? Um, okay, a total shot in the dark, Moshe Sharet. No. Darn. I knew that was such a bad mistake. I should not have done it. I should be thinking more. I should be thinking more modern, right? No, not no, more not modern. Nece- not necessarily. Okay. Let me just tell you a story about Levi Eshkol. Okay. 
Go ahead. Levi Eshkol looked after the vineyards surrounding Rishon Etzion. In those days, these massive big wineries were built, and we had vineyards surrounding them, like the most famous French chateau. Unfortunately, um, real estate was considered more profitable than vineyards, and they disappeared. Mm. But in those days, in about 1915, Levi Eshkol managed the vineyards surrounding Rishon, and we have pictures of those vineyards. It was, it was a beautiful, like a real French chateau. Sadly, there's now houses right up to the borderline. Um, but uh, that was Levi Eshkol. Now two more names. See, originally when you asked the question, I said it couldn't be somebody earlier than Eshkol, but now I'm thinking it could be somebody earlier than Eshkol. Go for it. Ben-Gurion. Yes, Ben-Gurion. Ben-Gurion, I have a story for him too. Ben-Gurion, we think he engineered the first ever strike in Israel. We even think he may have been sacked from the winery. But when he worked here, he had a competition. He was a very competitive guy. He came to work at the winery because it was a symbol of Zionism. You know, working the land and making it our own, labor Zionism, and he led the movement of in the course. end. He came to the winery, and he had a bet with all the other workers that he could stand on the grapes, tread on the grapes, for a longer time than they, they did. He did it for three consecutive days, with breaks in between to sleep and what have you. Three consecutive days, he won his bet, but the smell of the grapes during fermentation made him feel so nauseous, he couldn't drink <laughs> wine for years afterwards. Now, that's fo- Carmel folklore. You can believe it or not, but it's in his autobiography. So take it from me. Wow. So that's the, that's the second one. And the third one... No, wait. The third... Is, is quite recent. Oh, quite recent. So, it's, I, so now you got me fooled. By the way, you know how the, how the favorite part of this show for Miriam Wallach is the wine tasting? The favorite part of the show for me is this prime ministerial trivia. I love this. See, before you just said that, I was going to go with Shimon Peres only because of his history. He's, he's a great wine lover. He used to drink but good wine. But he did wine. not work here. Still drinks good wine. Didn't work here. Ugh. Not yet. He's still young. <laughs> uh, he was prime minister. Yeah, he was prime minister. Yeah, the shared government. Yeah. 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 So I guess we got to, if we're going very recent, we got to go. So one second, the most recent prime ministers were B.B. Olmert. Olmert. It was Olmert. Olmert. As a kid or as, as an as adult? As a, I don't know, teenager. And he worked right. in Rishon, not in uh, Zichron. Where did he grow up? He grew up in Binyamina, wow. which is next door to here, but worked in Rishon, not Zichron. All right, so our answers are David Ben-Gurion, Levi Eshkol, and Ehud Olmert. So I've lost the chance to ever ask it. this question again. Everyone in America will know the All answer. Right. I don't know about everybody, but I can tell you one thing. Next time I'm asked it, I will know the answer, yeah. that's for sure. All right, it's time to taste some wine, right? It's time to taste some wine. Yes, yes, yes. Where's, okay. my, where's my wine expert, Miriam L. Wallach? She's somewhere to be found. What are we doing first? Okay, give me the, uh, pass, pass me a glass. Oh. Um, they use glasses ah, here you used, in Carmel. Already, sorry. I like that. Okay, we're going to taste first. This one? Yeah. All right, what do we got? We're going to taste first a Riesling. Uh, the Kayumi Vineyard Riesling from Carmel Winery. Um, very unusual to have a really high-quality Riesling uh, that's kosher, um, that's produced... Um, in Israel, most of the most of the quality white wines in Israel are Chardonnays and Sauvignon Blancs. As this wine is a bit of a uh, a freak in that it turned out to be so good because most Rieslings come from Alsace and Germany where it's a lot colder. Um, and this wine has got 90 points from Robert Parker, uh, Robert Parker the Great. Oh, yeah, even um, I know who that is. <laughs> yeah, and um, the wine is... Um, um, it's, it's like a real Riesling. I now, mean, it's, when I, as an amateurish uh, wine drinker, hear the word Riesling, I'm thinking sweet. 
I should not be thinking that, right? No, no. Well, Riesling, there's a, there's a, you have a problem? I, do you how, have a problem? How much time do you have? It's a two hour show. We can't talk about my problems. I'm just doing, I'm just showing Valerie that the first thing I'm doing is looking at the clarity and the yes. color of the wine. Excuse me, Adam. Let me first look do at the Do you know why I'm doing this? Because Valerie is a good teacher. That's now, right. Because now you're a wine expert. So nah, I'm a snob. My yes. aunt would call me a fine schmecker. Look at this. There you go. Wow. I don't know what I'm looking for, by the way. I Very have no nice. idea, but I know you look good when you hold it up. So then Adam that. is doing a little bit of twirling, so I'm yes. doing the twirling. It's, you can it's see called that the taster's twirl, there and you, you really know you're sick when you start doing it with water and <laughs> Sprite and things like that, as I do. You know you have a problem. That's one of the steps in the 10-step program. And um, and now you are not going to tell me what I might, what I'm going to either uh, smell or taste in this wine. You will not say a word. Uh, you will wait for me to. To offer my suggestion Excellent. as to what it is that I am now tasting. Give our listeners a chance here to uh, to hear it. And this is again the called, where's the bottle? This is again called the, what are we doing here? This it's is the Kayumi Vineyard The Kayumi Vineyard. Show that to the people at home, please. There you go. Thank you, PC guy. Excellent job. I don't know why when I walk into wineries, all of a sudden I just fall in love with wine. It's unbelievable. This is fantastic. We should note, by the way, that there are a number of foods that have been brought here to pair with the wines. There's cheese, there's fruit, and, of course, there are chocolate chip cookies. There's nothing better than to pair a good bottle of wine with a chocolate chip cookie. Um, oh, that's true. The my second <laughs> favorite game after prime ministerial trivia is trying to figure out, because we've done this before, what the wine tastes like. One second. Don't worry, everybody. I'm driving. I love when you try. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm buying some time for I'm you right getting, now. All I'm getting really is like white grapeish. You know what I mean? And that's that. I can't <laughs> even believe. Can we can we cut that out of the recording? All, that's all I'm getting right now. I'm. You know why? Because it's made from grapes. It's made from white grapes. All right, Adam, tell me what should I what should first, I be detecting in firstly, here? Firstly, Riesling doesn't have to be sweet. Right. Um, that's obvious. Uh, this is the Johannesburg Riesling, or what they call in America white Riesling. Right. It's the it's the Germanic Riesling, the famous Riesling that they have in Germany and Alsace, and the wine um, is famous for its delicate uh, aromas of wild flowers, which are very delicate. And as the wine ages, it gains a sort of petroly note, which you can see coming uh, um, behind the the um, delicate flowers, there's a, it's dry, but there's a tiny touch of residual sugar. It's unoaked. There's no oak in it. And this is the perfect wine for our climate, the perfect wine for uh, grilled fish. Um, and, um, I was you know, going to ask about the fish. Obvi- an obvious pairing, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Grilled fish. Uh, some of the yeah, oaky I know. wines. I know that this wine goes some with of, fish. Some of the oaky wines don't go best with food. Right. So this is a wine that's... Perfect for food. Why? Because it has a very high natural acidity, and that provides it with a balance to the food. So when you're drinking it, it's not like tasting water. Yeah, and I didn't get the taste because I don't spend enough time smelling flowers. If I did, then I would have realized that this smells like You should like stop and smell the flowers. I should stop and smell there the flowers you go. once in a while. But, you, right, that's but you know, in a sense, really in a sense, it, you, you should know, try it with cheese. I'm in the wine business, I but should. what it doesn't really matter. What's important is whether you like it or not, whether it's tasty, and then. You can come with us on a journey and learn about it, but the secret of a good wine, uh, the, uh, a good wine is an empty bottle. It's as simple as that. If you like it, it's good. If you don't like it, there's lots of wines to choose from. That's the value of working for a big winery. Adam, the, the lightness of the wine has nothing to do with the content of uh, the alcohol content, or does it? It is, in fact, lower alcohol. It's very perceptive. It's a lower alcohol hey, I brought an expert than with some me. of, the, than some of the wines. <laughs> um, and, um, that's why it's refreshing. 
It's not heavy. It's not a wine you almost have to eat. It's not got a lot of oak to it. It's very light. And it's very unusual to get a Riesling, a quality dry Riesling, um, which is this sort of balance and this complexity in Israel and, in fact, anywhere in the kosher world. So it's a, it's a, a very unusual wine. And it comes from the, probably the most famous vineyard in Israel, the Kayumi Vineyard, which is in the foothills of Mount Meron, 2,700 meters above sea level, oh, yeah. uh, 2,700 feet above sea level. Um, and um, it's a kind of Israeli miracle, this wine. I right. think my favorite quote from this description of this wine is that this wine was a bit of a freak. When yeah. you, and it sounds very classy when you say it with your accent. I didn't think he appreciated any of my jokes. He sounded so proper. Uh, meanwhile, I will tell you, I will admit to you, that 10 years ago, I didn't appreciate a good wine and cheese pairing. And now, it's just it's the greatest. And we talk about this all the time, how it's just the, the cheese is so enhanced. Funny enough, wine is made to be drunk with food. There's a holy trinity, let's call it that, of the person you drink with, the food, and the wine together. It's a three-legged stool. If one of the legs is missing, it all crashes as far mm. as I'm concerned. Mm. Wine is not to taste like we're tasting here. Wine is to drink with a meal with someone you want to be with, and then you get to really enjoy the wine. It's All like right. Shakespeare. It's not meant to be read. It's meant to be seen. It's meant to be experienced. Yeah, yeah. Very it's nice. Be, or meant to be read aloud. Aren't, aren't, yeah, you, aren't you happy you brought me? When you have a little wine, all of a sudden you become very uh, Literary. All right, before we introduce Dorit, let's do one more wine. Then we'll turn to Dorit about the availability of some of these great wines in the United States because obviously we're trying to convince everybody out there to add some of these wines to their collection before the holidays begin. You know, there are people in our community back in the New York, New Jersey area who buy cases and cases of wine. And if we remind them to buy Israeli, they do it. And if we remind them to buy Carmel, they do it. So we're offering some suggestions today. Uh, what should we do next? What okay. Is, uh, what's next? We're going to go for this one. Oh, a cab. This is cab and selected. And nice. there are wines that you drink and there are wines that you taste. There's wines that you taste to talk about, to talk about the scores to talk about the reviews the wine's got, to show off that you've tasted, and there's wines that you drink because they're tasty mm. and you want to enjoy them and um, rather than necessarily talk about them. And this is such a wine. This is the selected Cabernet Sauvignon. It's fruity. It's easy drinking. Am I switching glasses? Yes, you can go into the big glass. And if you insist. <laughs> and it's a wine. We have a very good uh, uh, no, English we word. We had a very good English word for this wine. It's a quaffing wine. Have you, did you know that in America? No, I never a quaffing that. wine, which means simply drink it and enjoy it. Right. It's okay. not a wine to taste. Next time, be prepared with the terms, please, Miriam, yes. if you don't mind. Eat, drink, and be merry. Someone mentions a wine term. I expect you to know it, all right? I forgot my <laughs> glossary at home. All right, what's this one called? It's a cab, right? It's, it's a cab the selected. It's the selected Cabernet Sauvignon. Now, selected is a 40-year-old brand. It's the biggest selling brand in Israel. And 40 years old is very historic. Right, that's for sure. Adam L'Chaim to you and to all the wonderful people here at Carmel. Thank you very much. Adam, tell me if I'm, I mean, I, have, I haven't had any of it to drink yet, but I'm smelling blackberries. That's what sure. I was going to say. Sure. You were I'm not. Telling, I was going to say I tasted it You know what, everything I I'm going to say now, you're going to say, oh, I was going to say that. But I was really going to say blackberry. Okay, am I right? Yes, black. Courant. Blackberry fruit, black cherry. Right. Uh, it's all fruits. But it's dark fruits. acidity, but dark, dark fruits. fruits. There's it's no apricot acidity. in here. It's There's even slightly refreshing. It's a wine that you could serve slightly chilled. Give me a food to pair as well with. 
Um, I would ha- I would love this with pasta, any pasta dish. Oh. Um, I would love it with um, with a chocolate chip cookie. I didn't know you could have wine <laughs> with pasta. Frankly. Basically, I want to tell you something. You say, we say today match the wine with uh, match fo- food with mood, not with not with. Sorry, I'm getting it wrong. You should match the wine to mood, not with food. Hmm. In other words, drink it with what you like. Don't get hung up whether it goes with it. Good food goes with good wine, netto. So if you drink a red wine with fish, in my opinion, it's okay. I, I, I do want So cheese. you drink it because you enjoy it and, it, and it's tasty. Vakasha. Thank you. Try that. I am. I'm taking it with this. Is this a camembert? I don't know. All I know is I've had too much to drink already. Oh, the camembert is with pecans. Well. Wow. So this is a drinkable wine. Easy drinking wine. And this, this is sort of wine that reminds us that wine should be fun and it should be drunk. And not always uh, a wine for poses, not always a wine to talk about. <laughs> this is a wine to drink and enjoy, represents superb value. And it shows, the reason I wanted to show you this wine, it shows that Carmel can make wines at every price point and every style to suit every taste. And they've been doing this one for 40 years. And this selected is 40 years old. It's reasonably new in the States, and it's very, very popular. It got the best uh, editor's choice, best value in the uh, wine enthusiast, so it's a wine that's got um, some good recognition, and um, you know I'm not afraid to drink this wine. I mean, this is a wine that I'm happy to have in the fridge at home, ready for when I need it, and uh, you open would a bottle. Refrigerate this wine? I would have it slightly chilled. Slightly I chilled. would refrigerate for 20 minutes, so it's slightly chilled. It makes it very nice, especially I was in this climate. A half hour. Interesting. He that's why I'm going with Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Adam, do you think that you know there's um, there's obviously status that goes with a fine wine and people bringing out their best bottles and m- making the effort to impress and people making experiences out of wine tastings and besides, obviously, the experience that we're having here. But but do you think people have gotten out of control, that they've gone to a point where they miss the value of enjoying a fine wine and that it's just become a matter of, of symbol and status and rather the enjoyment of the wine experience is lost? Listen, one of the funny things about us wine lovers is we love reading about wine, talking about wine, and um, we almost talk about wine more than we drink it. So, <laughs> so that's okay as far as I'm concerned. It's part of, the, part of the, what makes wine so interesting. It's part of the thing that makes wine different from Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is a drink. Wine has a story. It's made in a place, made in a particular year by someone who made it. And these are all written on the bottle, which, you know, you don't find who the winemaker of Coca-Cola was and what year it was right. made. There are what, a lot of wine clubs And where it members, came from. But so so, so I'm, I'm for people to talk about, to get enjoyment that way. But at the same time, it's very important that if you're a wine lover, that you don't forget that it's a basic product. It's a wine to drink. It's a wine to enjoy. And you can open a bottle without talking about it. It doesn't have to be in the front. You can eat a meal, drink a bottle of wine, and at the end you think, wow, the bottle's empty. That was a good wine, and I didn't even know what I drank. So at the same time that we we want to be, in a way, more pretentious to get more education, to talk about wines. These wines have got high scores from Parker. We're very proud of them. Awards, uh, trophies from the Decanter magazine. At the same time, we don't want people to forget that just open a bottle and enjoy it. It right. doesn't matter. It doesn't matter which Adam, food. Adam, I am with you. 
Every time my family visits the Wallach family, all she does is talk about the wine and never drinks. Yeah, oh, it's me. one big conversation about that's the wine and that's me. it. All right. Uh, we continue with Valerie and Adam, but first I want to just, before we break, I want to introduce Dorit Ben Simone. If we could pass that, uh, along to Dorit. Actually, I'm going to move and Dorit's oh, going to take There you seat. go. She's the export manager for Carmel Wine, and I'm told that means globally. Everywhere outside of Israel, she could tell you what's happening in the Carmel wine market. Shalom, and thank you for joining shalom, us. Shalom, shalom. Thank How you. How are you today? I'm here. Have you had any of the wine yet this afternoon, like we have? Oh, yes, since the 10 in the morning. <laughs> That's the way to do it. <laughs> You're a very smart lady. All right, can we, let's start with these two. We don't, we don't want to confuse people with a lot of choices and a whole bunch of stuff. Let's start with these two. We just tried two fabulous wines, the Riesling and this Cabernet. Are these generally available in the United States? Yes, definitely. Those are uh, our one of the stars of our um, main and great uh, uh, range of wines. Uh, the selected uh, Cabernet Sauvignon is uh, is a wine we just launched uh, a year ago, right. and it's uh, it's been a great success over a year all over um, United States, mainly in New, in New York, New Jersey, and Florida, and Chicago, and LA. Um, the selected is being um, really great success uh, since it's uh, beautiful as you tasted the cat. And a great looking bottle, by the way. It's great looking bottle, and it uh, also has uh, uh, one advantage that uh, people, the Jews in uh, in New York, New Jersey, and all over the states, very very something that's very important to them that it's mevusha. Right. Yes. So and this wine goes to catering and restaurants, right. and people uh, love to buy it. It's easy to to use it, I would say. Um, right. So uh, we also have the Sauvignon Blanc, which you didn't taste yet, but uh, the Sauvignon Blanc selected, it's also Mevuchal and Emerald Riesling, which is different than the Riesling that you just tasted. It's more sweet. Probably <laughs> you liked it. Uh, but this uh, cab is really a great... Uh, Sales meaning it's really doing very well. Uh, cabs in general seem to be like the talk of the town. Every time I speak to anybody who's into wine, it seems to be like the basic staple of whatever they're, uh, whatever yes, they're serving. Yes, it's still the the main variety that people uh, who knows wines or not, first of all, they go to cab and Chardonnay. And um, for many years I know, because I used to live in the state, and there is a saying that we, we, we call it ABC. Anything but Chardonnay and Cabernet. But most of the people still, you know, if they are um, not heavy user and not into the wine for many years, they, they really like the, the taste of the Cabernet Sauvignon. It's kind of basic, but it's, it's a good basic. Oh, so Cabernet is more of a wine for rookies? Is that the case? <laughs> For first time wine people? That's no, what it's going not for? the first time, but it's the first, it's something that it's, uh, first being, right. uh, familiar with. Understood. Before they go to blends and shiraz and petit verdot or petit Syrah or other varieties that are more, I would say, advanced, uh. And the Riesling also available in the New York, New Jersey area. Yes, right? definitely. The one we tried earlier. Mm -hmm. People should check that out and enjoy it. And in general, obviously everything we discussed today, we know we're playing mostly to a, you know, to an American audience, although there are people listening from around the world. But in general, everything we're mentioning is going to be available to everybody if they walk into the retail outlet, right? Yeah. They walk into All the those store. wines are available for many years, and we're just changing uh, uh, vintages, and uh, we, you can find it in many, almost all stores right. in the 
especially the kosher ones and the non-kosher. So, so you're doing, you do a lot of traveling to the United States. And, yes. And we anecdotally, you know, just being involved in the Jewish community are sometimes amazed at what's happening with the, you know, the kosher wine explosion, as we call right. it, over the last few years. Do you feel it? Are we now in a period of time that's extra special when it comes to the way people are buying uh, kosher wine, and specifically Israeli wine, over the last couple of years? Um, yeah, I would say, you know, I'm in the business for about 20 years in the wine industry, and... Um, I remember the sections in the supermarkets, uh, especially in <laughs> California, for the Israeli wines of the kosher section. It was, you know, tiny. It was like maybe 10 different bottles. And today it's unbelievable. You go into stores and you see a whole wall, and it's huge variety of, you know, wines from all over the world, kosher wines, and thanks to Royal Wines who do an amazing job of, you know, with all, having all the those wines from all over the world. And, uh, yeah, I think, um, Israelis especially and, uh, and the Jewish community in the States would love to support Israel. So if they go to the kosher section or to, to buy any wines and they would love to, you know, put one more dollar extra on a kosher wine, they will take the Israeli and I think we get a lot of support from that. Um, we don't use usually the K word if we are outside of the kosher uh, our kosher market, so we definitely uh, support and we represent Israel as as a wine state. Right. We unfortunately we are not there next to uh, Italy, Spain, uh, French. We still call the kosher land, unfortunately. Right, but you have to admit you're you're starting to get there. I mean, you're yes. you're on your way. Some of the stores in Manhattan, you can say. They, they start, they, they're considering to have Israel sign instead of kosher. We hopefully, we all together, all the wineries together, we get there one day to have only Israel and not kosher. All right, Dorit Ben-Simon, she's export manager, and uh, she just explained some of the things going on with kosher wine, especially Israeli wine in the United States. Everything we taste today and during this live lunch presentation from the Carmel Winery is available. Make sure you get plenty of it before the holidays begin. We'll taste more coming up. Keep it right here at the Nachum Siegel Network as we continue with a Thursday live lunch. Thank you. 
Carmel Winery, live lunch Thursday, and boy, do we know how to have lunch. Carmel Winery gives us not only delicious food, but incredible wine to taste along with that delicious food, and uh, here we are in Israel. Those of you wondering how it is that we're back in the U.S. and still broadcasting from Israel, it's because we're preparing this show and doing this show on a Wednesday afternoon from the historic Carmel Winery. What was Rothschild's uh, favorite wine? Anybody know? What was his favorite wine? Was it Malaga? Of all the wines, Miriam Wallach, you're saying that Rothschild, he had, the, he had the pick of every wine he could possibly want in that region of the world, and you're saying Malaga was his favorite. I have a, you know, let me turn to Adam, because I have a feeling you're wrong. Adam, Rothschild's favorite wine. Baron Edmund de Rothschild was the owner of just about the most famous winery in the world, Chateau Lafitte Rothschild in Bordeaux. Okay. And it was his dream to make a great Bordeaux wine in Israel. So he insisted, against the advice of all his experts, to bring Bordeaux grape varieties to Israel. He sent cuttings from Chateau Lafitte, sent the first Cabernet Sauvignon Malbec and um, um, Cabernet Franc to Israel. And his vision didn't work. He, he said to his advisors, I want to make a great Israeli wine. I don't want to make a wine like Bessarabia. Uh, Georgia and uh, Algeria. These were the bulk wine countries of the time. He said, I want to make a great Israeli wine. Uh, his dream didn't work because the grapes got phylloxera. The growers complained the yields were too small. And no one was ready to pay big bucks for a quality Israeli wine. They wanted Kiddush wine or communion and altar wine for the Christian community, which was also a big market, wine from the Holy Land. hundred years later... In 2006, Carmel came out with the Carmel Limited Edition, which was a Bordeaux blend from the uh, five famous varieties well-known in Bordeaux. Cabernet Sauvignon, Malbec, Merlot, Petit Verdot, and Cabernet Franc. This uh, is our um, flagship wine, our prestige blend. And we feel that finally Rothschild's dream came true to make a great Bordeaux-style blend uh, but it took a hundred years. Wow. Is, is that available? Oh. Was, and we get to taste that in a minute. I was turning to Simone, and look who's here. It's Miriam Dorit. Dorit. I mean, to Dorit. You've had too much to drink. I mean, Dorit Ben Simone. But, at, Adam, before we <laughs> turn before drink. we turn to Dorit, because actually I just, sorry, well, just Dorit. just ask her if what we just described is available in the United States. Well. <laughs> that famous Rothschild 5 blend wine. What do the, we call the it? The Carmel Limited Edition, which four out of the last five years has got has received at least ninety points from Robert Can Parker. Can we get it? Can we get it in New York, New Jersey? For sure. There you go. Put that on the put that on the video. Let people see what we're talking about. 
This is Rothschild's dream come true. Who thought we'd be here when Rothschild's dream came true? Okay, I'm taking away any sharp <laughs> implements from you now. But Adam, let me ask you a question. When did the kosher palate change from going from the, the satisfactory kiddish wine or the satisfaction of drinking a kiddish oh, wine? We to know s- the answer to that. To say the number one world's kosher wine sommelier, Jay Bookstam, changed it for everybody. To say <laughs> that we no longer just want kiddish wine. We are looking for a wine that that is better than that or is more than that. I don't want to use better. Adam, tell her that I'm right about the J. Bookspam reference. Firstly, I want to tell you, it might be a bit controversial to say, but uh, sweet wines is really Ashkenazi invention. Sfardim that came from countries like Morocco. Oh, they had the real All the years they had uh, dry wine. They really do um, live a life so Sweet wine. So the idea of sweet wine, it grew up in America because it was very hard to make quality dry wine from grapes that didn't ripen in the climate of New York. And that's why sweet wines became, became, uh, palate, uh, became uh, easier to make, easier to keep. And um, they lasted for longer because of the sweetness and children liked them. So it eventually became part of the minhag of uh, Jewish families around the world. The people who really changed it, here we have to give credit, is the Royal Wine uh, Corporation, who led the move to, to uh, quality uh, dry white wines, dry or semi-dry uh, white. white wines and dry red wines. Uh, and Carmel did the same in, uh, in Israel. Uh, I suppose it started in the... Uh, in the kosher world in the 1980s right, um, and um, has continued from there, even though Carmel was making uh, quality dry wines from the 1960s. Uh, and it's incredible how the Jewish um, uh, wine culture has developed and how Israel wine culture has right. developed in the last uh, 20, 25 years. Would you like to back me up on the J. Booksbaum uh Jay Bookspam has played an enormous oh, part of it. Right. Um, right, and even though I don't like to give him too much credit on the air, <laughs> Me too. I have to. Um, and also, uh, there's a lot of credit to Jay uh, for, the, um, uh, for the way that the company, uh, their company sells brand Israel, um, which has allowed yeah, Israeli true. wine uh, to flower, particularly in the United States. And uh, to sell good wine, you need good partners. That's and that Carmel Winery is also featured at the Kosher Food and Wine Experience. Correct, and very prominently. Right. And, and a point that I didn't make earlier when Dorit was on, which is important what you're saying, it's, Dorit mentioned how a lot of you know wine stores in general are adding kosher, changing it to Israeli, expanding. But then our very own kosher wine stores are adding so much Israeli, yes. are, are bringing in more than ever. So you're making a very good point, and hopefully this will encourage more and more people to explore the Israeli angle of kosher wine. All right, can we try one more? Can we do another? Yeah, sure. Uh, I just want to come back yeah. to you on that. Uh, we don't talk, as, as Doreen said, we don't talk about making kosher wines. Right. If people ask if the wines are kosher, we say it's kosher if you want, if you want it to be. It's a footnote. We don't make uh, kosher wine. We don't make Jewish wine. We make quality Israeli Eastern Mediterranean wine that just happens to be kosher. Right. And the objective is quality. And the kosher is uh, added on, which is important for those that drink kosher. And one of the interesting things which has been proved by the awards we've received is that kosher doesn't have to be a bad word in right. wine. Right. You know, in, in wine, kosher often means manashevitz. People think the wine is sweet, it's oxidized, it uh, doesn't taste of any, as though a grape's been near it. It doesn't <laughs> have to be. A kosher wine, like our boutique winery, uh, Yatir winery, uh, can score the highest score for an Israeli wine from Robert Parker, 
Um, and um, like our Shiraz Kayumi that we're going to taste now, uh, which won the Decanter International Trophy, the first Israeli wine ever to win the Decanter International Trophy, beating the best Siraz from France, the best uh, Shiraz is from Australia, and the best Southern Rhone blends. The miracle was, this was an Israeli wine, it was a kosher wine, and, and it was Carmel, and it won, the, it won this, uh, probably the greatest prize an Israeli wine has ever won, uh, because of the wine. People didn't taste it thinking kosher or Carmel or Israel. So you're a big competitor in terms of country. You would say that the Israeli wines, the great Israeli wines that are produced are on par with that of which country? Listen, I don't want to say that Israel is arrived, we're better than France or Italy. That would be... But that's okay. That would be pretentious. (laughs) Um, But what I will say is that we're on a journey. Uh, I came to Israel 25 years ago. Um, It's a miracle how the Israeli wine, how Carmel wine has developed in the last 25 years. It's nothing short of a miracle. Um, but we haven't arrived. We've got a lot of work to do. But let's see where we get in the next 25 years. We're on a journey, and it's a very exciting journey, onwards and upwards. The wines are getting better. People are learning more about the vineyards, experimenting with new, uh, new grape varieties all the time. And Israeli, Israel has been making wine for 5,000 years, but only in the last 10 to 15, 20 years has the wine been any good. So is that, is that why winemaking is a passion? Because we've been doing it for so long, because there are there are caves and there are winemaking equipment that have dated back centuries. I mean, is that why there is more, and the whole national aspect of winemaking for, for Israeli winemakers, is that why it's not just a job, it's, it is not just a profession, it's a passion? Well, you can't work in this business without passion. Because and it's you ask so the question, how we keep going after 120 right. years, and the reason is passion. And you work the land. And Israel, of course, has the most famous creative farmers in the world. And therefore, our vineyards are, are you know, the, you grow the wine in the vineyard. 90% of making wine is in the vineyards. So Israel benefits by uh, being uh, adva- having advanced technology in the vineyards. Um, technology in Israel is, a, is a, a watchword. We combine the old world, the new world. And in fact, Israel is a representative of the ancient world. So the ancient world of wine... Uh, is uh, making a comeback, a renaissance, um, and it's very exciting to be part of it. It is amazing. Mm. All right, uh, we, kept, we kept alluding to the fact that we're about to try another wine. <laughs> Why don't we do so? So we're now going to try um, the wine that won the, this big award. Uh, it's, the, it's again from this really famous winery, the Kayumi Winery, uh, That's a shame. in the foothills of Mount Miron. <laughs> um, high altitude, um, a, spe- a very special vineyard. This particular wine uh, won the Decanter Trophy. It's had 90 points from Parker for more than one year. Uh, it's 100% Shiraz. And Shiraz is a very interesting variety. Because even though, as Dorit said, Cabernet Sauvignon is still the number right. one variety in sales-wise, we feel that the Syrah, or Shiraz, um, could be the great variety that is most suitable for the Israeli climate. And so this is a, a coming and growing variety in Israel, and it's the variety which we won the, the, the biggest award at the Oscars of Israeli, the Oscars, the World Oscars of Wine, in which any winery in the world would have been happy to win this prize, and, and Carmel won this trophy, which incidentally was an award for all the changes Carmel made 
in the, in the 2000s, planting new vineyards in the upper Galilee, employing a new young winemaker, building small state-of-the-art wineries to support the big winery, uh, to, to advance quality. And this, this was the reward, which is encourage, encourages us to go forward further. Did we get the uh, label on the video? Did we do this one already? No? So let's do that. This is the Shiraz. This is the Carmel Single Vineyard Kayumi Shiraz. I would like to thank Dorit for pouring me extra much, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that was very, very generous. Your reputation precedes you. Yes, and, I got more than you did. Right. And what I would like to draw your attention to is elegance, almost a feminine wine. We're in a stage now where we want to try and teach people that wine doesn't have to be heavily oaked to be good. It doesn't have to be bombastic and high alcohol to be good. It can be elegant, delicate, uh, and this wine is uh, very much in the... Uh, old world style, our winemaker trained in France, uh, and uh, one of Israel's top journalists said Carmel is leading the trend, the new Israeli trend to this style of wine, which is more elegance, better acidity, better food wine, less bombastic. You know, the really bombastic wine you can nose and you can say, wow, what a wine. It but you don't want to drink clean. it through a meal. It smells clean. It's There's clean. It's got delicate fruits. Um, it's a slightly chewy a smoked meat character, which we believe is the terroir, and it's got a nice long finish, and it's a wine that's almost refreshing. It encourages you to take another sip because it's got good, clean acidity, soft tannins, and it's it's a wine you could drink through a meal, and the bottle's finished before you know it. To me, it has like a clear finish, like yeah. a, a very... It, why are you? I le- can't why take can't, you seriously. Why can I not wine? make a comment about wine? Why am I not allowed to have an because opinion? Because you're not. Why is because that? Because your name might be on the door, but when I can't you, take you finish a sip of this wine, it feels like it has not been a heavy experience. Like it's been a really that's smooth, the, clear experience. That's the idea. That's the idea. And by the way, we don't disenfranchise anyone. Adam agrees with me from making an opinion about Adam's wine. Being oh, nice. thank you. One thank of the you. things. Right. This is a safe no, environment no. for Nahum. I'm no, gonna, it's, it's I'm very, it's very important. to her about this, please. That anyone, ahead, anyone, anyone has their own palate, and uh-huh. no one can be an expert for someone's palate. So All if right. someone says, "I don't like this. I like the Cabernet Sauvignon better," it doesn't matter if I say, "But this wine won the award, and it's so good." The proof of the pudding is in the eating. We say in English. Correct. It's in the glass. Thank you, Adam. You like it. You don't like it. Adam, if, I'm about if, to get on a long flight with this man. This, this is going to be a longer flight If this radio now. team breaks up, it will be because of Adam's analysis of the chutzpah that you have to not <laughs> allow me to describe what I think. So now I really wine. do need a new job? Can you imagine that this would have happened at the Carmel Winery? We thought it would be a pleasant journey here. Can you imagine this may oh end up God, happening? New York is so Hey, Valerie, L'chaim to you. Thank you for having us here. L'chaim, thank you for coming. Mm. Delicious. All right, you know, you mentioned something I must ask you about. You said a young wine vinter, whatever term you used earlier. We are in a facility that's 100 and what, 20, 30 years old. There must be somebody here, I don't know if they're here right now, who's, I don't know, 70 years old, who remembers, who remembers the early part of the 20th century. And I, don't, I, don't, I have no hints. Is I'll, I'll there someone s- like that in this facility? We have more than that. Really? Uh, uh, in um, 2013, the winery was sold to um, a, a group of international investors. Before that, the winery was a cooperative. It was owned by the growers. The growers were the shareholders. And they still uh, have a percentage. I don't know another company that the, the same shareholders were, uh, had shares in the company for five or six generations. Right. So we can go back to families living near the winery who are the growers who uh, 
uh, who's, who's five, six generations back. They planted the vineyards for Rothschilds, and they're still part of the ownership of the winery. So not only do we have workers, sometimes fathers and sons that worked in the winery, we also have five or six generations of owners, of growers, who, who worked with the winery. So, so this, it's very is a fam- unique. this is a family business. To say the least, yeah. Listen, it's a family business. Uh, we're the largest winery uh, in the country. Uh, we produce 15 million bottles. Um, but, as Valerie said, we make the top wines with the care and tension of a boutique winery. Hmm. I'll give you an example. Yatil Winery is our boutique winery. Right. But Yatil Forest, which is one of the top-selling wines in Israel, we produce more than we do of the Carmel Limited Edition. So which is the boutique winery? Which is the boutique wine? So boutique is a very dangerous word to use. These wines at the top level are handcrafted as they would be with any boutique winery. And when I say handcrafted, I mean that means going into the vineyard and saying the Cabernet Sauvignon here is different from the Cabernet Sauvignon over there. Let's keep them separate. Right. And that's that's what winemaking is at a, a top level. And by the way, even though I'm in no mood to compliment her, Miriam just said something that, you know, she said a family business. I'm rolling my eyes on the video. If you ask anybody in Israel, what is the winery of Israel? What's the winery of your people? What's the winery? It's going to be Carmel. With, sure. e- with everything that we know that there's an impressive list of a lot of stuff going on in the wine industry here in the Holy Land. But this is a fa- it's really the Jewish family business when you think about it. Carmel is the national winery of Israel and has been in three different centuries. The 19th century, the 20th century, and the 21st century. And the fact there is a wine industry today is because of Carmel. Right. Through all the world wars, through all the suicide bombings, through all the strife, austerity, all the problems that there were, Carmel kept a wine industry alive um, and uh, made wine so Jews could make Kiddush all over the world. Um, and um, it's because of Carmel that today there is such a vibrant wine industry, um, which is... Uh, I'm very proud to be part of a winery that's created in Israel wine industry and kept it going through all the tough years. It is amazing. Wow. What are we up to? Are we at hour number two already? Wow. For sure. Wow. This time is We're, flying. Time flies when you've had too much to drink. Time is flying. We're in the middle of a live lunch <laughs> a live lunch broadcast, everybody, on a Thursday. You're listening around the noon hour. I have no idea what the exact time is because we've had too much wine to drink. Uh, we're in the noon hour in the New York, New Jersey area, and I welcome those of you around the world listening on the NSN app and tuned in at jmnam.org and nachomsegel.com. I thank you for that. This, of course, will be available over the next month, really forever, but certainly we'll be emphasizing over the next month to check out this show and find out what some of the great wines of Israel from the Carmel Winery are all about, so you can make these purchases before Rosh Hashanah. Big thank you to Royal Wine and to uh, Yoichi Herzog and the Jay Bookspan and everybody who's been such amazing friends of ours and connecting us with the winery. Miriam? Adam, let me ask you a question. Since we are talking about um, Rosh Hashanah, we are ta- and obvi- oh, yeah. and many people, like we do in our house, go through all of the Simanim, and we do the dates, and we do the Rimonim, and we do the fish heads, and we do... There's nothing that we don't cover. <laughs> what wine am I serving? What is the best wine, or am I serving a, a variety of wines with that whole Simanim course? Because for me, it really is a course. And I make specific foods on Rosh Hashanah that my kids do not see the rest of the year. It is specifically for Rosh Hashanah. Give us an example. I take pastrami and I, I wrap dates in pastrami so that when we do the dates as part of the simanim, 
that is, and we bake it so that the pastrami gets a little bit crispy and whatever, and the dates get gooey and nothing is better than warm dates. So what wine am I pairing with that? Not for the children, for mommy. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry. The Jewish faith is a wonderful faith because we have the Abba Kosot at Pesach, we have Purim <laughs> when we have to wine. drink, we have Shavuot, which goes well with white wine, white wines and cheese. So we're very creative. Now, as far as I'm concerned, um, on Rosh Hashanah, we, we're talking about sweet things. We want a sweet year. Right. So I think this is the time to drink. This is the time you can drink sweet. And instead of drinking cheap sweet, which we grew up with, you should drink um, uh, with, the, uh, with the sweet dishes. You should drink a quality dessert wine mm. uh, served ice cold. Serve it from the freezer. Uh, and this the is the time, wine. like the Gewurztraminer Late Harvest oh, Carmel. Try that. Um, and this is the one time, you know, the French drink sweet wines as an aperitif. Um, dessert. These are high quality wines as an aperitif. Between a dessert sweet. wine as an aperitif. Um, and um, I believe this is the time for sweet wine. But as the meal continues, then I would go into a more um, standard wine pairing uh, group, possibly uh, Admon Chardonnay or the Appalachian Cabernet Sauvignon with the meal. Right. So I would throw caution to the wind. This is what I do, this is what I recommend is that you, this is the, the festival for a sweet wine. So with all the aperitifs, uh, delicious aperitifs that you prepare, serve a quality sweet wine. Don't be ashamed. Don't think sweet <laughs> means <laughs> bad. S- sometimes the most expensive wines in the world are dessert wines, are wow. pudding wines. Serve them really cold from the freezer if need be. Just don't forget it. And um, the late harvest Gewurz Straminer would be a fantastic wine to go with your dishes. And then I would go into the standard Chardonnay, uh, the Admont Chardonnay, single vineyard Chardonnay, the Appalachian Cabernet Sauvignon, which are wines representing value for money, to go with the, the proper meal. And then you can finish up again with the sweet wine if you want. Why, um, why serve that ice cold? What's the advantage to serving that ice cold? Because when uh, these wines, uh, I don't know if you've tasted this Gewurztraminer, uh, it has a very high acidity, and it's even though it's very, very sweet, it almost isn't sweet and cloying, it's almost refreshing because of its high acidity. When it's ice cold, the acidity kicks in and you get it. If it's not cold, then it's... I, I, I also recommend, by the way, that any Kiddush wine is better served chilled. Serve it right. from the fridge... Because it's more palatable, it'll be more tasty, and it will last longer. So I, even if I'm serving a basic Kiddush wine, I serve it cold. And with the high-quality dessert wines, serve them cold, and then you really get the benefit. So ice cold is, well, I'm going to ask you this, and you'll probably give me something in centigrade. But what is ice cold? I don't believe in centigrade. All right, me neither. You know, if, if you put your hand in the wine... Okay. And I say serve it at six or eight degrees. You've got sorry, talking center. You've got no, <laughs> you've got no idea what that is. So let me talk our language. Talk about very cold, cold, chilled, oh and room temperature. Okay. So the wine, uh, dessert wines, sparkling wines, and simple basic wines, white wines, should be served very cold. A better quality white wine, like the Chardonnay we talked about, like the Riesling should be served cold, not very cold. Um, so in my terms, 
very cold and you put your hand on it, you know what's cold and what's very Got cold. It. And I like that tip, by the way. Don't forget about it in the freezer. Been yeah, there. Yeah, been yeah, there. That's Haven't right. we all? I've yeah. been there with soda bottles. Is this the, is this the um, Shemitah wine? No, no. What no. What was, the, what was that bottle that I bought, Valerie? I did take a limited edition. Was, but wasn't the, what year was that? Oh, so I took the eight. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sharing that with you. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've, I just figured out I've been totally uh, mispronouncing the name of that white wine. I always say Gewurzaminer. No. So what you can say is call it Gewurz. 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 With, with a V. We're going to resort to that. All right, this is the, this is not the Gewurzaminer. This, this is, is the Carmel, Carmel Limited Edition. Limited Edition 2010, is it? 2010. All the grapes come from the Upper Galilee. Can I eat this with a chocolate chip cookie? You mean drink it? I'm right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> can I drink this? With I a remember your cookie? sober days, <laughs> long, long ago. <laughs> <laughs> you drink it with what you like. Thank you. Now um, this is called the flagship wine of the Carmel Winery. Sure. The Carmel Limited Edition. A lot of varieties of grapes in this. Uh, the wine was aged for 15 months in small French oak barrels. And I could tell you, even though you're going to criticize me, I'm actually reading from Carmel Information. So I'm not going to criticize. I'm just going to roll my eyes. Exactly. Deep purple color with an aroma of blueberries. What is this word? You, th- you, th- I, you think I can see without Cass- glasses on? Cassis, is it? Cassis. Cassis. Oh. Cassis. That's Viol- black currants. Black currants. Viol- Violet and tobacco leaves. It's a miracle I could read at this point after all this wine. The Carmel Limited Edition. I think edition. I only... L'chaim, l'chaim. I think I only smell blueberries because you said blueberries. I'm not sure I would have been able to put my finger on that. Jancis Robinson tasted this wine, and she is the English equivalent of Robert Parker. And she said she was almost sure this was a Bordeaux. And this is the wine. Is that an insult or a compliment? That's a compliment. Okay. I didn't and, know where we were going with that. Okay. And, and, um, <laughs> we were about to criticize <laughs> What are we insulting the wine? And this is the wine that uh, basically meant that Baron Rothschild's dream Vision came true. Right. This is the one. We are now drinking a hundred years later what Baron Rothschild likely dreamt of drinking. How do you like that? Oh, I like this a lot. (laughs) This is a really good cookie. (laughs) Oh, boy. This is what happens in hour number two of the winery shows. This is a really good cookie, and I'm not saying this to be completely funny, though I do believe that with a semi-sweet chocolate, this would be better. This is the milk chocolate is better with this wine? There's milk chocolate in here. And there are macadamia nuts in here, no? Yes, there are. You mull that over. We'll take a break. Be back with more. The Carmel Winery is where we are. It's hour number two of a live lunch Thursday. Remember, buy those Israeli wines and specifically look for the brand Carmel as you order your wine for Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. It is one of the busiest times of the year, to say the least, when it comes to kosher wine and wines from Israel. It's our recommendation from all of us here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
wondering what's happening here on this uh, Thursday afternoon or whenever you're watching or listening to this uh, amazing radio broadcast that we call the live lunch. Uh, it's a, a Carmel wine tasting. We showed up about two hours ago here in Zichron Yaakov and took a little tour of this amazing facility, the Carmel Winery, and um, took the opportunity to sit down with some of our recent friends that we made here at Carmel, including Valerie, Adam, and Dorit, and we are sitting and tasting some delicious wines. We also have a mission, a mission that uh, is very appropriate, apropos for this time of year, and that is to remind everybody that as the brand new year approaches, you want to fill your homes and your delicious meals, your holiday meals, with as many phenomenal Israeli wines, and specifically wines from Carmel, as possible. That's the limited reserve. That's the Appalachian Cabernet, which I recommended for the Rosh Hashanah. This is the Appalachian Cabernet. If you're watching the video, that's what you're seeing right now. That's the label, and you can check it out in your stores. And by the way, and I'm sure, um, I'm sure uh, Dorit knows this, there are some very, very helpful retailers in the New York, New Jersey area. I mean, people who you go in, you got a question, or you could, you, you could just recall you know, oh, something yeah, about a wine. They will know what direction. They're very educated at this point. Very educated. They know all the wineries. They know all the brands, all the wines. Uh, they make it tasting. They are very professional, and they get all the inventory for all our wines, definitely. And they do a good job reminding people, uh, you know, they get to know the customer and what they enjoy, and they'll say, hey, you know, you'd really like this one. And they mean it. They mean it because they learn the taste of their customers. So check it out right. at one of our favorite retailers. All right, what are we doing next, Adam? You tell me. Um, we're going to change from the Bordeaux varieties like Cabernet Sauvignon to Mediterranean varieties mm. because Israel is part of the Mediterranean, uh, and proof of it is that map over there of Israel. You can see the Mediterranean runs the length of the country. Right. So as far as wine's concerned, we prefer to talk about Mediterranean than Middle East. Middle East is politics, suicide bombers, camels. We prefer to talk about Mediterranean because when you talk about the Eastern Mediterranean, it's not such a surprise that we have good olive oil, we have good wine, we have good fish and vegetables. Um, so we produced a wine which has, is made up of the Mediterranean varieties because there is a move in Israel – uh, that says Mediterranean varieties grow better in our hot climate. And this is a wine that's made up of uh, Old Vine Carignan, Old Vine Petit Syrah, Old Vine uh, uh, Shiraz. Uh, it's called Carmel Mediterranean. It's a new style of wine in Israel. It's probably the most interesting single wine in Israel at the moment because it's leading a new trend in the country for Mediterranean blends. 
Um, and this is something that's becoming stronger and stronger within Israel. And uh, the Carmel Mediterranean is the wine that's the sister prestige blend to the Carmel Limited Edition. The Limited Edition is Bordeaux varieties, Cabernet Sauvignon, etc. The Mediterranean variety is a blend of less famous varieties which grow uh, probably better in our climate and it's a trendsetter. So who said that the oldest winery uh, can't be the youngest winery in setting trends and attitudes? And this is a wine that's really taken the Israeli wine industry by storm. And su- this was the wine we first produced in 2007. And suddenly every winery is producing Mediterranean-style blends and talking about the Mediterranean uh, varieties. And this is because of Carmel Winery. How many varieties are in this blend? There are six, six different varieties wow. in this blend. And it's really apes the southern Rhone blends, of which the most famous is Chateauneuf-du-Pape, where there's a climate similar to Israel. And probably this is the style of wine that Israel will become known for in the future. What is it that I'm smelling? There's something sharp in there, right? Isn't there a sharp something? What is that? Yes, Miriam. Pick it up and smell it. In the... Oh, yeah? I'm talking By to Valerie way, about uh, my comments. By the way, it's a variety of, uh, of Carignan, Shiraz, Petit Verdot, Petit Syrah. And uh, a little bit of um, Malbec, Malbec and Viognier. Mm. Is your radio host, Nahum Siegel, right or wrong that there's a sharp smell in the back of this wine? Am I right or wrong? There's something, <laughs> there's something, <laughs> don't pay attention to her. There's something there that just, I don't know. It just, I, don't, I don't get it. But what, the, what there is, is you'll find that wine, <laughs> wine has, has, uh, uh, is full of fruit. Right. And it needs something to butt against. Now, it might be tannin. It might be acidity. Without that, it ends up jammy. So a wine that has got the fruit on its own will be jammy. It will be like a liquid, uh, liquid um, jam. There's a very heavy taste in it. But yeah. what you've got here right? is good acidity taste. and good tannins, which give a refreshing nature to the wine. Now swirl the glass a bit. Let it rest in the bottle. Uh, let it rest in the glass. And you'll find that it will, there'll be no end of complexity. One thing you're very smart about, this is a wine that doesn't do so well in, in blind tastings because it's not immediately accessible. But allow it to sit in the glass over a couple of hour meal, let the temperature in the glass change, it and you'll find it. the wine will come out with no end of complexity. And even though it's not a wine for instant tasting, uh, it's a wine that teaches us not to judge a wine in the first shluk, right. which is the first taste Israeli slang for a taste, but to let it change in the glass with the meal, even decant it if necessary, uh, because the wine you taste now will be different from the wine you taste in half an hour and be different from the wine you'll taste in an hour. So give the wine its time. Let it show all its facets before you judge it. Uh, no one, apart from in a tasting, takes a shluk and judges the wine instantly. Give it its time. And this is probably the most complex wine we have. But you have to allow it, you know, it's closed in the bottle. You have to allow it to open up. And if you do that, it becomes what over the time of the meal? More mellow, smoother? What what happens? It certainly becomes more mellow, and it becomes with layers of complexity. Mm -hmm. You know, the first Cabernet we tasted selected is all fruit. It's all up front. It's like um, uh, a beautiful woman with lots of makeup. You see it immediately. But uh, a wine like this, it takes time to open you're talking about something that's going to uh, going to change and sh- and show what it's got to offer slowly in stages, 
And really, this is the way the French drink wine with a meal. You know, in Europe, they're not crazy about these tastings where you give a score to a wine because you give 90 points to the wine now. What do you give in half an hour? What do you give when you pour the next uh, glass, when you finish the first glass? This is a wine that needs time. This is the wine that needs uh, appreciation. Um, and uh, it's probably the most interesting wine in Israel today because it's, it represents the new style of Mediterranean blend in Israel. And even this wine has got three years in a row, has got 90 points from Robert Parker. So uh, it's a trendsetter. Very good. Ah, too good. <laughs> We're enjoying some of the Carmel Winery's uh, offerings here at the Nahum Single Network. Um, I want to ask, um, I want to ask Dorit a question. We spoke sure. earlier, obviously, about the United States. What about other countries? What about, uh, I don't know, Europe and Russia and Australia and all these different well, places? Are they enjoying Carmel wine at this point? They definitely enjoy, and more and more countries are uh, becoming our uh, I'd be shocked. Sugars. I'd be shocked that Carmel is where? I'd be shocked to know that they're Japan. In, in Japan? Japan. I just came back China a month also? ago. China. I'm going to be there in two weeks. Uh, we have three different area counties in China that enjoy our wines. Uh, we're definitely in Japan, Costco, Japan. You know Costco. Yeah, sure. Who doesn't? Sure, who doesn't? Um, Europe, of course. I can imagine Europe is yes. popular. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not all over, but the main uh, countries enjoying our wines. Uh, the U.S., some uh, small um, Jewish communities in South uh, America, and Mexico and Canada. It's amazing. It's basically everywhere at this point. Yeah. But the most amazing is definitely China and Japan. Non-kosher community that really enjoy Israeli wines. That's easy there. All right. They want yeah. it, and uh, now it's available in their country. Right. Uh, I was shown a bottle of Hapal Win earlier. Uh, I mentioned to you that it's uh, a bottle I remember fondly because there were a few bottles of that in my house, Palestinian or Palestine wine, I should say, from before 1948. Uh, do we have any idea? I know it went to. I know it went to England. Do we have any idea any other countries that it may have been exported, exported to at that point? Or, or it's likely just Europe and that would be it? Palwyn's always been very dominant in, in England. It's like the Manischewitz of England. Uh, it's been in England since 1898. Wow. Um, it was called Palestine Wine because Carmel's first ever company in England was called the Palestine Wine and Trading Company. And interestingly enough, every bottle had a number on because the new immigrants couldn't speak the language, but they knew how to count. So people would go in and say, I want number 10. And even till today, they go in and ask for number 10 or, or whatever the, the number is. Uh, uh, so it's a very historic bottle. Um, it's a bit of liquid history, really, because um, I don't think it's ever exported. If you found it in America, I don't know. Right, well, it's a coincidence. Yeah, or a it may be a coincidence. Yeah. But in England, it's part of, uh, it's part of the Judaism of, of every Jewish uh, child in English from his, uh, from his Brit. Uh, when he has his first days of Palwin, uh, through to his uh, wedding and what have you. It's part of Judaism in, in England. But of course, kosher wine has developed since then. Um, now we can uh, drink quality wines. You know, uh, the wine you use for ritual doesn't have to be sweet and it doesn't have not to be tasty. You can choose a quality wine. You can make Kiddush on a dry wine or a semi-dry wine. And so what's happened in the kosher wine world is nothing short of revolution. And people now are making Kiddush with quality wines. Yeah. And 
the old stigma of the uh, the uh, traditional kosher wines, like Kerem, like Palwin, is more for people who like the tradition, more for the children, um, and um, long may it last. But thankfully now we have quality wines that you can drink. So you can be a wine maven, drink quality wines, and uh, be kosher at the same time. It's a, it's a great feeling. Are there any collector's items in the world of Carmel wine? Is there any, are there any expensive bottles that are considered either rare or you know, really you know, reserved for collectors at this point? Sure. I mean, the, the most expensive wines that we have uh, are probably the Atir Forest 2003, the first Israeli wine, the first kosher wine, and the first Eastern Mediterranean wine ever to get 93 points from Robert Parker. That was the Atiyah Forest 93. What's a bottle of that worth today? I, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't 100 know. Bottle, uh, $100, about. Depends on... Uh, a lot more. A lot oh, more. the 93. The oh, 2003. Much more. The 2003. Uh, I was talking about the current vintage. Um, the Carmel Shiraz... Um, the Carmel Shiraz um, Kayumi Vineyard, which won the prize with Decanter, which is the 2006. These are probably the two of the most valuable wines in Israel. Um, and the reason I hesitated with price is they don't exist anymore, apart yeah. from being collectors. Yeah. So they're priceless. Yeah. They, and people will pay anything to get yeah. them. Do people have it in their cellars? Have you met anybody sure. who have it in yeah. their cellars? Sure. Yeah. And the wines are still good, and they have this wonderful story with them. So... Wine is a story, right. you know. We drink the wine, we uncork the bottle, we drink good food, and we talk about the wine. This is what, what, how, how we enjoy wine. Are there any uh, famous private wine collectors in Israel? Are there, is there such a thing? I know in the United States there are people who all there are hundreds know, of people, hundreds, hundreds of people, people in Israel with yes. collectors, sellers. Wine has become something so aspirational in Israel. And you know what Israelis are like? As soon as the new <laughs> telephone comes out or iPad, Israelis want it more than anyone else in the world. And they're like that with wines as well. So there are a lot of aspirational people who fulfill their desires to, to, um, to succeed in the, sort of, uh, in the gourmet world through wine. Uh, so wine has become something that's very um, – uh, something that's um, – it's very popular. There is a lot of wine tasting events, you know, for people who love wine. Was there a festival? It tells yeah. the story of New there Israel. Is right now, right festival now, festival in going Jerusalem. on in Israel, right? Yes. Yeah. yes. <coughs> I'm sure Carmel. We have more festivals here in the Napa Valley, believe me. <laughs> I'm sure Carmel is prominently <laughs> featured in those festivals. Sure, yes, we, we we pick and choose, but yeah. sure, Carmel is uh, is much sought after. Um, but wine tells the story of modern Israel. It's the best ambassador for modern Israel. Um, and if you want to give a present from your visit here and take it back with you, what would you take? A bottle of wine. Of course. So, so it's something which represents the best of Israel. Uh, how many more do we have to go? We have how many more to taste uh, during this session? We've got one. Listen, you're in a winery. I know. Here the wine good. is uh, cheap in the water. We can go drinking till the end of the night. We could the do night, this forever, I know. But uh, we've got one more but wine. But Valerie said she's throwing us out of here at some Should point. Should we have so. the... <laughs> All right, while we decide, Let's we'll go do for this the coming up. More happening at the Carmel Winery. We'll do our final wine tastings of this great live lunch uh, as we continue here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, oh, oh. 
It's Aton Katz. We're in the final round. Isn't that how it works? Isn't that how it works in the world of wine? Final round. We're in the final round. Last call. We're in the seventh inning. If you if you want a good baseball metaphor, there'll be no alcohol sold after the seventh inning. Do you get that reference, uh, Anna? Do you, you got a baseball reference? I would figure your history is more uh, cricket and soccer and all that stuff. Yeah, of course. I had a feeling. Anyway, no wine, uh, no wine for sale after the seventh inning. So we're going to do our final round now. Um, all right. So Adam, I turn to you as I try to uh, maintain control over this broadcast. I turn to you and ask, what is it that we're drinking next? What are we tasting? Okay, we're gonna go. Uh, this is Micah. We're gonna go. There we go. We're gonna go back. Yeah, you're on. We're gonna go back to Cabernet Sauvignon. Yeah. Because uh, this is, uh, as Dorit said, this is what people want. Um, we've had an inexpensive Cabernet Sauvignon, which is a good value. Uh, the selected. Now we're gonna go up a up a class to the Appalachian Cabernet Sauvignon. Which is a wine that got 91 points in, um, oh, yeah? 90, 91 points in uh, the wine enthusiast, um, and also uh, uh, got uh, editor's choice in the wine enthusiast. And this is a classy bottle of wine at a reasonable price, good value for money, slightly more um, complex than the uh, the wine we drank, with slightly less ability to age than the the uh, single vineyard wines we tasted. Uh, so this is a wine that I think is a, is a exquisite bottle of wine, beautifully balanced, classic Cabernet aroma, uh, a bit of structure, mouth-filling flavor, but everything in moderation. And it's Great a wine that will go with food. L'chaim. L'chaim. By the way, one suggestion of Miriam L. Wallach that I'll actually take. She said it's a good idea to explain who Robert Parker was. How did he become the wine maven in this world? Simply, there was a need in the world for people wanting to be led. He came up with the idea of scores. That's his invention. It's, it, was, it was him that really bought scores to, uh, you know, which is a weird thing because you don't score restaurants, right. you don't score operas or uh, theaters, but you score wine, which is an art form like any other and, art form. And what was the number on this one? Uh, this got 91 in the wine enthusiast and also got the editor's uh, choice for best value. Um, it's a fantastic drinking wine. If you want to taste a Cabernet Sauvignon without t- playing the top dollar of the single vineyard wines, this is a medium-priced wine, uh, $20 plus, uh, less. less, $18 plus, um, and it gives you all the um, qualities of Carmel, which is the elegance the slightly feminine nature, a lot bombastic, the good acidity to make it refreshing, soft tannins, mouth-filling flavor, but everything in proportion. And that's why I like about this wine, the Appalachian Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, so it's a slightly more serious bottle of wine than the Selected, which is a drinking wine, um, and it's not top dollar like the more expensive wines. I keep using this word, but there is a smoothness to it, a certain a lightness to it that one can appreciate. Oh, you can come again. You're, yeah, you're saying all the right things. <laughs> this time you're saying the right thing. Thank you. Yeah, it is smooth, and it's, drink, it's drinkability. It's light. Uh, it's light, because again, we want to say that wines don't have to be big to be quality. They can be um, elegant, um, and this is really Carmel's watchword. It's a trend we're leading in, in Israel to try and make wines which are more elegant, more approachable, 
uh, and also have a sort of refreshing quality, which makes you want to have another glass. Uh, I want to remind our listeners to book a tour, and there's so many people who are going to be heading here uh, toward the end of the summer and, of course, for the holidays, to book a tour or to experience a wine tasting. That happens in this room, the wine tastings? Uh, it can happen in this room or in the cellar where we were earlier. Or for a private tour workshop. Uh, you can email wineculture at carmelwines.co.il. That's wineculture at carmelwines.co.il. Or dial in Israel 04-639-1788. Again, that's 04-639-1788. Who generally uh, gives the tours and uh, leads? Uh, Valerie uh, is in charge of that. And we do advise people to book in advance so as not to have a disappointment. And uh, one of the things Carmel has, has done is uh, uh, is made some sort of wine revolution in recent years um, with all these new vineyards, new winemakers, new boutique wineries. Uh, we also have some of the most uh, experienced wine professionals doing the tours, mm. uh, which is Valerie's team. We try not to have... Uh, young people out of the army with the Carmel <laughs> T-shirt who, who give the tour no uh, from me. memory. <laughs> we have wine-knowledgeable people, uh, and the idea is to give a unique wine experience, which really there is no other winery in Israel where you see the history of Israel, the history of Israeli wine, and the revolution of Israeli wine in the same setting. You see the old world of winemaking and the new world of winemaking and the ancient world of winemaking in the same setting. And it's 120 years of the development of, his, uh, of Israeli wine that you see here. It's not like most wineries. You go and you see a, a, a wooden barrel and a stainless steel uh, tank, and that's what there is to see in the winery. Here you've got a, a whole story leading through the Rothschilds, Ben-Gurion, um, and there's other things I haven't told you. For instance, the first electricity ever in Israel was at Carmel Winery. The first ever telephone in Israel was at Carmel Winery. So if your program was four hours instead of two, think how much I, I could tell you. Think how much you're missing. We'll be back for part two, don't worry. Uh, we're here at the live lunch, Carmel Winery, everybody. And a reminder to buy your uh, kosher wines, obviously, before Rosh Hashanah, before the brand new year, and make them wines from Israel. It's been our recommendation all these years. And today we get the opportunity to recommend Carmel and the delicious wines of the Carmel Winery. I'm told we have one more to go. Am I right? One the more? last one is uh, we want to give everyone a, a sweet wine to give them a, a sweet ah, uh, new year. Of, of course. There and this is the wine that I recommend you serve. Oh, it's in the, the fridge, I think. Um, it's in the fridge. Uh, we put it back because it's so important. These wines are, are served cold. Uh, please don't confuse sweet with poor quality. Uh, many people in our community do because the association is sweet, has to be poor quality. I remind you that some of the most expensive wines in the world are dessert wines. Some of the most tasty wines in the world are dessert wines. And you can drink them when you like. The French drink them as aperitif. Uh, you can drink them with certain courses. Uh, and certainly they're good as dessert wines with a dessert or instead of a dessert or even with the... Uh, even with the, um, uh, as a liqueur style wine at the end of a meal. Um, yeah. So, um, Valerie, where's the Gewurztraminer? Oh, we got it. We got it here. Um, so this is, this is a unique wine which shows us that sweet can be high quality. And, and, uh, what you'll find about this wine is not only is it terribly sweet, but it has a very high acidity. 
which means that it's not sweet and cloying. By the way, I get criticized a lot for enjoying sweet wine as much as I do. You know, people who are into the more fancy or what's generally considered to be, you know, the fancier wines, they're like, oh, come on. And, and you're saying, what you're saying is 100% true. If you like sweet wines, that's what you enjoy. Go and enjoy it. That's right. Simple that's right. That. No more criticism. I'm not going to name anybody by names, but no more criticism of those of us who enjoy a great sweet wine. And wouldn't mind. And by the way, you could drink it with the whole meal. You don't have to wait for dessert. You could drink it with the entire meal, correct? Right? Yeah, sure. Adam sure. agrees with me. If you like it, drink it. Who cares? Exactly. Drink it with whatever course you want. And, and this is the ideal wine Darla. with the, all the uh, beautiful, sweet first courses that you prepare for Rosh Hashanah. Ah, uh, the Carmel Winery. It's time to... Uh, to time, it's time, no, it's not time to take a Shabbos. It's time to... It's time to drink to an incredible afternoon here at the Carmel Winery. Where's Valerie? Where's Adam? Where's Dorit? Let's get them all around here right now for a group picture and thank everybody for hosting us here today. It's amazing what's going on here. Where's Miriam Wallach? She doesn't want to try any uh, delicious uh, dessert wine? Oh, you're driving. You're right. Where's our broadcast engineer, Paul Serkin? Is he enjoying any dessert wine? He's saying Lachayim. He's ready. There you go. Where's Valerie? I'll give her Those a- that are driving, of course, can okay. nose the wine and then spit it out. You yeah. can taste it and spit it out. Yeah. This is what we do at wineries. It's okay. I'm not a sweet anything person. Ah. <laughs> 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 Who might argue with you? You should just. Your mic is on. All right. L'chaim, L'chaim. L'chaim, thank you for coming. L'chaim, L'chaim, Carmel. Carmel, we are toasting Carmel. That's right. We are toasting Carmel. And we are thanking them for an amazing visit and for opening up their home here in the Carmel Zichron Yaakov Winery to us and reminding everybody, drink, drink this holiday season and enjoy, enjoy it responsibly. Drink responsibly and enjoy your Rosh Hashanah and enjoy, not like this, enjoy your Rosh Hashanah, enjoy your Sukkot holiday with delicious wines from Israel and great Carmel wine. L'chaim, l'chaim, everybody. L'chaim, thank you. It's so good. It's so good. See, she's one of those. I don't even want to tell. You. I wanted to tell you what she would say about people who drink sweet wine. But I think it's delicious. I really think it's delicious. It's just not my And I could see this staying the entire meal on the Yom Tov table. I could see it being on the Yom Tov and just enjoying it from start to finish. It's as simple as that. All right, let's get our final words in. Um, Dorit, your job is simple. You got to make sure there's plenty of caramel wine. I have the wine. best job in the world. That war. is correct. You have to travel the world and make sure there's plenty of caramel wine in every single uh, wine store on planet Earth. Simple as that, right? Um, yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> just it. That's what she's got to do. She's got to go. To every, she's got to go to every country. Make sure it's there. Those of you visiting the New York, New Jersey area, or if you're in the New York, New and Jersey area, and the and restaurants, hotels. right? And <laughs> a lot of restaurants in our area carry yes. your wines now. Yes. Much more than in the past. Right. Yeah, an incredible variety now. True. Ooh, which restaurant has the greatest variety, Miriam L. Wallach has. Not Reserve Cut? I, I said not. I said in New York. In New York. You heard. It might be Reserve Cut. <laughs> have you been there yet? Uh, yeah, I think once. You've seen it? The most incredible yes. wine collection yes. as you walk yes. in. You're literally yes. walking in through a, a sea of wine bottles. It's incredible. I see so many, so it's oh, hard it's amazing. sometimes to remember. Absolutely amazing. So, Tadarabat yes. to you, and thank you very, very tadarabha. much. Great I'm going to ask you to pass you. the uh, headphones over to Valerie while we turn to Adam for a moment. Boy, you know a lot about wine. <laughs> How many years have you been with Carmel? Uh, I've been uh, 12 years this time, um, but I've been 25 years in the Israeli wine industry. Uh, started with Carmel, then went to another winery, then came back to Carmel. 
and was also in the wine industry in England before I made Aliyah. Wine must be one of your favorite topics. Sure, it's a, it's a passion, it's a hobby. Uh, I talk about it all the time, I read about it all the time, and so it's fun to, to spend the day job working about it. I also write about wine. It's fun to spend the day job getting paid uh, to do what I enjoy. It's funny because you are... Uh, you're, you're, you have your pursuit as a profession, what a lot of people have as a hobby, right? For a lot sure. of people, wine is a big, big hobby these sure. days. Sure, sure. And you're able to do this on a professional basis. By the way, behind us, anything special or just thousands sure. of this of, is Sure, uh, uh, this is the collection. This is, car- you know, wine is something that tells a story going back many years. It's like a time capsule of, of a particular year, of a particular place. And here you see some of our old bottles, and uh, each one tells a story. So um, history in a bottle is what I said. And that's really what it is. Well, it's a very good point and a very, very appropriate way to look at it. Uh, Valerie, I thank you. I thank you for hosting us. Valerie Hecht here at the Carmel Winery. And, um, and yes, we mentioned this earlier. We're going to mention it again if you want to book a tour, a wine tasting, a private tour, any type of workshop here at the Carmel Winery. You could email wineculture at carmelwines.co.il. Your groups could be large groups, right? They don't have to be limited oh, yeah, to a family. Absolutely. They could be large groups. Yep. <clears throat> can be large groups. Wine be. culture at carmelwines.co.il or dial 046, in Israel, of course, 04639-1788, 04639-1788. Put it in perspective for us because we started uh, speaking a couple hours ago about the uh, the history of this amazing location. When you sit here... All these years later, so many decades after uh, Rothschild's dream began, what are your thoughts? Well, I wish he was here to see it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He but would enjoy it, he huh? Would, he would certainly enjoy it. He would say that... The, he wouldn't believe it. He wouldn't believe it. And, uh, and we're very proud. You know, this is actually the season where a lot of French people are coming to Israel. Oh, August, This right? particular month, August, right. yeah, we have a lot of French people who like wine, and they make kiddush. A lot of the kids, you know, they, they grew up drinking wine. And at last, you know, in France, they can get really, really high, you know, high, high quality kosher wine. 100%. And especially from Israel, it's something special. Yeah. A lot of them are making aliyah right now. And so it's wonderful to, to be an ambassador of something you believe in, you believe in the product. and. I wonder if some of them might become Carmel employees one of these days, if they're so knowledgeable about wine and coming from a place like France. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? It's possible. Yeah, yeah. I take this opportunity to thank all of you. Thank you very much it's for your pleasure. hospitality and for having us. It's been a real pleasure. A special edition of our live lunch for a Thursday as we have visited the Carmel Winery and gotten a taste, an amazing taste, of what great Israeli wine is all about. As we conclude and head to our final selection of this program, I want to remind everybody that the holiday season is upon us. That's right. We're just a couple of weeks away. Oh, there we go. The holiday season is upon us. We're just a couple of weeks away. We always recommend you buy wines from Israel. And this time around, we are proud to say that the Carmel Winery is a great place to start. Look for the name Carmel and enjoy it this coming uh, Rosh Hashanah and Sukkot. Check it out with your local retailer, either at a kosher wine store or any wine store that now has a quality kosher and or Israeli section. You are listening to our special live lunch presentation from Israel, the Carmel Winery, and this is the Nachum Siegel Network.